You can open your Bibles up to Colossians chapter 4. That's where we've been camped for a little while now. And I want, uh, we're going to continue right on in the uh, direction that we've been going. We're talking about prayer as a church, but more than just prayer, we're talking about bolder moving prayer. We're talking about mountain moving prayer. We're talking about the kind of prayer that changes the spiritual atmosphere of a given uh, area. And that's what we are about in these days as we look forward to being a part of the harvest that God wants to bring in. So as we've been saying, nothing, nothing, nothing advances without prayer. Nothing advances without prayer. As joint heirs of Jesus Christ, we understand that His inheritance is our inheritance. And we are assigned, wherever we are, to care for the inheritance, both the earth that we live on, the particular nation that we live in, the particular neighborhoods that we make our homes in, every place we are, we are not there by accident. We are assigned to be in a particular place to care for our inheritance, our portion of the inheritance, if you will, to care for that wherever we are. And so we care for that. We care for the earth and we care for the people that God is populating His kingdom with. We care by being salt and we care by being light uh, in every level of human experience and interaction. We display the beauty of Jesus through our lives and we share the gospel and we pray for God's purposes to be done and we pray against the enemy's purposes. Prayer goes in two, has two def definite uh, targets. One target is we're speaking to God about God's purposes and God's concerns and then the needs of our own uh, lives. The second thing we're doing is we're addressing the enemy's concerns. We're addressing the enemy's priorities. We're addressing what Satan wants to do in the world. Jesus tells us the devil comes to do what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. He comes to destroy the inheritance, to steal it, to take it away. He wants our friends. He wants our loved ones. He wants populations to reject God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so we are called to go to war. We're called to go to war. Our understanding of spiritual warfare cannot be limited. I've said this many times now. It cannot be limited to personal trials and personal sin battles. Our understanding of spiritual warfare has to be bigger than that. It has to be stronger than that. Our warfare is bolder moving. The bolder moving business of changing the spiritual atmosphere to make way for the advance of the gospel. That's what we're doing in prayer. And so, as we've been reading in Colossians, we pray. Listen to the words again. Chapter 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ 
on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. And so over this past few weeks, we've been talking as we prepare for our launch of Pray and Go. We've talked about the importance of praying steadfastly, being consistent in our praying, being watchful in our praying, being attentive to the events that are happening around us, to the circumstances of people's lives that we care about, to the, to the very atmosphere spiritually that surrounds us in, uh, all around the place, to be alert, to be sons of Issachar who were paying attention to what is happening in the day that they were living in. We have to pay attention so that that can help to form and shape our praying. But then we also pray with thanksgiving. As Christians, our prayers are loaded with, drenched in thanksgiving to our God. And then what are we praying for? We're praying for open doors. We pray steadily. We pray faithfully. We pray with gratitude. And we watch for what God is doing so that we can join Him. Because He is at work. God is at work. Anybody think that's true? God is at work. He's doing things. And our prayer life is meant to position us in such a way that we tune in to what God is doing, to the open doors that He is preparing, the doors that He is opening, so we know when to pursue a certain person or situation, whatever it might be, we know, okay, this is something God's doing. As I've been praying, I'm aware this is something that the, this, this is on the Father's heart. This is on God's heart. And so I want to pray and keep praying in this way and see where this open door goes. Now, let's go on into the new material today. So Paul says, pray for open doors, and then he says this, that I may declare an open door for the Word, that I may declare the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is another way of talking about the gospel. He is praying for open doors. Well, what is that open door supposed to provide us? an opportunity for the Word, an opportunity for declaration. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the Scripture tells us. It's the gospel used by the Holy Spirit that penetrates hearts. It's the gospel used by the Holy Spirit that tears down false images and tears down false philosophies and idols and ideas. It's the gospel in the hands of the Holy Spirit that dispels darkness and opens blind eyes. It's the gospel in the hands of the Holy Spirit that ignites faith and liberates a person to hear and respond and say yes to Jesus Christ. It's not our testimony. It's not your story. Your story may be very nice. Your story may be very dramatic. We tend to put a lot of stock in people who have dramatic stories, don't we? We are impressed. It's funny that we're impressed by how bad they were, right? Oh, my gosh. 
Right, so I get, I, you've heard me, I get, at, I get in, I, all the time I get emails from these companies, have former mob boss so-and-so come to your church and give his testimony. I don't want him to come give his testimony here, because he's going to spend 30 minutes talking about what a rotten mob boss he was and how bad he was, and that's supposed to make us all go, oh, wow. You know, and then that contrast is supposed to all of a sudden mean that his salvation is somehow a greater deal. No, everybody's salvation is a big deal. Everybody's salvation is a big deal. And I don't care what your story is. I got a grubby story. My wife has one of those stories that when people say, let's, let's share a testimony, she always feels kind of sheepish about doing it. You know why? Because she grew up in a Christian home. She grew up with parents that loved her. She, she, you know, she lived on a lovely street with trees and, uh, you know, people and yeah and uh and she and she her grand you know one set of grandparents lived down at this end of the road the other set of grandparents lived down at this end of the road it was this little idyllic thing you know and she was out one day walking and she and she was going that she went to church she's part of a youth group but she did not know christ and one day she's walking past the church and it's the lent it's a Wednesday, it's their Lenten service, and she just goes, she feels compelled to go in. She goes in, she sits in the back, and that evening, the pastor said, who here wants to give their heart to Jesus Christ? If you'll come down front, let me pray with you and give your heart to Christ and surrender to him. And she got up out of her seat, made a beeline for the front because that was the open door. That night was the open door when the gospel in the power of the Spirit, penetrated her heart. A heart that if you'd been looking at from the outside, you would have thought she was just a nice Christian girl. She didn't know Jesus. She was a lost sinner and a rebel against God. But God in His mercy met her. Just like God in His mercy met me in my mess. And it was the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, that opened my blind eyes and let me see Jesus. Aren't you glad for the gospel this morning? Aren't you glad that the Lord broke through for you? This is the gospel. It's the gospel that we declare. The most valuable treasure that you possess is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the most valuable thing that you possess. You can give people your time. You can give them your resources. You can give them your love. You can give them your compassion. You can give them your listening ears. You can give them uh, service. You can give them anything like that that they need. But what they need more than anything is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because after you've spent your time and your resources and your compassion and your listening and your love and your service, and after you've done all that, Without Christ, they remain lost. Without Christ, they remain separated from God. And the most important treasure you can give them as God opens that door is the message of God's love, of our sin, but God's rescue mission, of God's purpose in sending Jesus to us so that we could know Him. It doesn't take a lot of eloquence. It doesn't take a lot of, of uh, uh, it just doesn't take a lot of, of, uh, of, of elegant and well-spoken. It just needs to be the simple message of God's love in Jesus Christ. 
Jody read this morning from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, new things have come. And, and then he goes on to say this, that the message of the gospel is simply this. It was God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? He goes on to say, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's the gospel in a nutshell. God did not count men's trespasses against them, but sent Christ to carry those trespasses to the cross so that if you surrender your heart to Him, put your trust and your hope in Him, you can know His forgiveness in full. You can know the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. And then He says this, and He has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It's carrying the message of reconciliation. You have been given, every one of you, the ministry of reconciliation. People say, oh, I'm not sure what my ministry is. Well, I can tell you one thing it always is. You always have the ministry. Every believer has the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It is carrying the message of reconciliation. That's why he says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. That's what we're doing. We are imploring. We are pleading. We are, in the best sense, begging people to lay down their arms, cease their war with God, and surrender to Jesus Christ, the one who made them, the one who loves them, and the one in whom they will find their deepest identity and purpose and reason for being. And they can know the living God. They can be friends with God, sons and daughters of God. That is the message that has to be declared. Some of you heard me before. I always, I always gave the, uh, um, uh, the guys at uh, Messenger, you know, my ordaining body, I gave them hassle because every ordination service, they would end the service with those words. And in the words of St. Francis, in the words of St. Francis, as you go, preach the gospel, and if necessary, Use words. And I understand the lovely thought there, right? That our behavior and our loving kindness and our attention, all those kinds of things should be such that people are drawn to our winsomeness and our, and our loving ways, etc. That we should serve people, love people, give, help, right? I'll understand, right? We should be people that the world goes, wow. That's, that's really, a, that's really a, a nice person. But guess what? That won't get anybody saved. That won't get anybody saved. Preaching the gospel requires words. The gospel is a message. It requires words. And St. Francis didn't even say that, by the way. 
That's just, that's just a legend. It's a myth. St. Francis didn't. There's no record of St. Francis even saying that. <clears throat> they have since gotten rid of that out of the ordination service, and I thank you very much. Because it is a message. It's a message that we are to declare. Now, let's just say that's not going to win you friends everywhere you go. That's not going to win you friends or approval everywhere you go. And that brings us to the next thing in that scripture. So Paul says, pray that we would have open doors, that I might declare the mystery of faith, that I might share the gospel with those whom God opens the door for me to share with. How many of you know that even though doors were open, Paul was not always met with the most positive of responses? Sometimes he was run out of town, sometimes he was beaten, sometimes he was, I mean, well, we can go through a whole litany. He suffered extreme suffering because of his stand for the gospel. And, and so what Paul says here in this little passage is he says, pray that there'll be open doors that I might declare the mystery of Christ. And then he says this in verse 3, on account of which I am in prison on account of which I am in prison. So in our, in our outline of prayer, we talk about prayer. Okay, number one, steadfast prayer. Continually being people of prayer. Praying with watchfulness. Looking, being aware. God, what is on your heart? What do you want us to be praying for? What am I seeing around me? Number three, praying with gratitude. And, and just delight in the love of God and thanksgiving for what God has done for us. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God, the Bible says in Christ Jesus. So we're with thanksgiving. And then pray what? For open doors. Pray for open doors. Why? Number five, that I might declare the mystery of faith. So we pray for open doors. We have to be willing to declare the gospel, and we have to be willing to count the cost. There is a cost to being people who share the gospel. You know, we live in one of the freest places in the world to share the gospel, don't we? We live in one of the freest places in all the world to share the gospel, and yet... And yet, though we are free externally, often what we deal with is that we're imprisoned internally. We're imprisoned internally. No restraints. Remember, Paul described himself as an ambassador in chains. He's chained up in a prison cell. He couldn't get out and go where he pleased. He couldn't go out and talk to anyone he wanted to. He was locked up. He was an ambassador in chains. You're not an ambassador in chains. I'm not. We are free to speak this gospel and to share this gospel. And having that freedom, we still struggle. The, the, the best news in the whole world and the news that if we love people, we should be willing to share, right? That gospel is offensive. It's offensive to people. 
especially people for whom the door's not opening for them. They're not listening. It's offensive to them. And so we know that that could be the case. And so we get internally locked up. We know the culprits, don't we? Insecurity, the fear of man, and men's reactions, right? We feel unworthy. Who am I to share the gospel? Who am I to tell people about Jesus? Who am I in my sinfulness? I still have so many problems. I still have so much brokenness. Who am I to tell somebody else about the love of Jesus? We feel unworthiness. We feel ineffective. I don't think I'll do a good job. I don't think I'll do it well. I'll probably confuse them more than bring clarity to them. Or there's pride. Pride is closely tied to the fear of man. Or there's fear of consequence. What if my neighbor doesn't want to have anything to do with me anymore? What if I get called into my boss's uh, office and he says, hey, look, I, I don't care what you do uh, at home, but when you're here, I don't want to hear you talking to anybody about your faith, not, not even alluding to it, right? And this, this kind of the fear of consequence can be very real, a real thing. It was interesting that the fighter verse this week, <laughs> the fighter verse was Revelations 2 and verse 10. And, and here's what he said. He said, do not fear what you are about to suffer. <laughs> that was the fighter verse this week. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. He says that, that the devil is about to throw some of you in, in prison, that you may be tested, Etc. And then he says this, remain faithful to the end, and I will give you the crown of life. Remain faithful to the end. John is writing to people who are undergoing real intense persecution, nothing that we've ever, ever known. And he's saying to them, here's what the Lord says to you. You're about to suffer. There's about to be real consequences for you standing firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. There's going to be some real consequences for that. The devil wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. But God is going to be with you, so remain faithful to the end. I'm going to give you the crown of life. Whatever you go through, it will be worth it in the end because I'm going to be giving you the crown of life the ages to come. And so we have to count the cost. This was Paul's cost. He says on about the gospel, for I am in prison on account of my speaking, my declaring this gospel. Here's what I love. There's a guy in prison for speaking the gospel, telling people, pray for open doors when I get out of here so I can keep speaking the gospel. How about that? How's that for an attitude? That's a hua type of thing, isn't it? I don't know if I said that right or not, but yeah, that's army. What's, what's Marines? Ura. Ura. That's, that's an ura way of looking at things, isn't it? I'm sitting here in prison 
pray for open doors when I get out of prison so I get the chance to go back to prison for speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's that, it's that kind of heart. Listen, it's that kind of heart that says, to heck with the consequences. Forget what people might think. We're about ready to launch something where we're going to be going out into neighborhoods and praying for our neighborhoods. And we'll be leaving some door hangers. Here's an example of the door hanger. So on the front, it says, we prayed for you. On the back, it has our logo, but the words community church have been removed. Okay? Uh, we care about our community, so we're praying for our community. If you have anything specific we can pray for, please let us know by emailing us at prayer at clearriver.org. And then there's the uh, website down there just in case anybody wants it. Um, I know that some people go, oh, man, I don't know about these door hangers. Put up, put up uh, the other ones, uh, Peter. There's another one. Same thing, same information. There's another one, okay? So um, as you go about putting the, out these door hangers, we are praying for our neighborhoods, and we are letting people know that someone was praying for them, and someone would like to pray for them for anything that they have concerns about or needs for. And I've had discussions with some people who say, oh, I don't know, Jeff. I don't know about these door hangers. I feel a little uncomfortable leaving that door hanger. I mean, we don't want to chase our neighbors away from us if they feel like we have an agenda. Look, I took the name of the church off the thing. <laughs> I took the words community church off of it so that, so that won't be the first thing that they, that they see because we don't have an agenda. Our agenda is to pray. Our agenda is to move boulders. Our agenda is to change the spiritual atmosphere and to be people who pray for our neighborhoods. And we're known as people who pray for people in our neighborhood. It makes a great difference. It touches people's hearts. When we went to the hospital on, uh, on uh, last uh, Wednesday? Wednesday for Zibby surgery. Uh, we get on the elevator to go up to the surgical floor, and this other gentleman gets on with us. And he goes, hey, how are you? He goes, oh, I've been better, you know. So it's me, open door, right? So uh, I've been better. And I said, well, really, what, uh, what's going on? And he says, oh, my wife, is, um, my wife has got this disease, and um, she got it. And, and she caught it because they were doing some, something. It was a routine procedure, and then something happened that she got this kind of weird disease. And it, and it was really taking a toll on her, and it, and it, and it could kill her if it didn't get... Uh, move forward, and, I, and he said so. And and he got he got about that far, and then the doors open on our floor, and he was going on up, and I and I put my hand uh, to, to Zib, and I said I said we'll go up with you, <laughs> and so doors closed, and he we kept talking, and 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 he just told about you know, and you could just, you could just feel the weight on him, how worried he was, and so we stepped off the um, uh, the elevator. I said, well, what's um, what's your wife's name? And he told us his wife's name, and I said, would you mind if we prayed for your wife? She said, oh, that would, that would be fine. We, I, I, I'll take any prayer we can, we can get. And I said, I said, well, that's great. I said, would you mind if I prayed right now for her? And he went, uh, okay, all right, that'd be fine. And so, we, so I just put a hand on his shoulder, began to pray for his wife, pray for healing, 
pray for strength for him, grace for him. And we got done, and he looked up. He was teary-eyed. <laughs> I love it. He just goes, that was profound. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know, I said, well, just, you know, God loves you. And, I, and then we, we had to go because, like, Zibby's surgery was scheduled. <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, my wife's got to have surgery. We got to go. So, um, so uh, but, but I'm telling you, people, people are more open to prayer than you know. Now, now, here's the thing about these door hangers. So let's say uh, you put out a door hanger and, and someone sees you putting that door hanger out and they get that door hanger and they come tell you, hey, I don't like you doing this, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Hey, here's what you do. You ready? Hey, sorry. I didn't mean to. We, no offense meant at all. Just offering to pray. Thanks. We won't, we won't leave them uh, with you again. Well, I don't think you should be leaving them, blah, blah, blah. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for you know, sharing with us and um, I, we appreciate what you're, what you're saying. And you can walk away from that going, oh, no, I've ruined a potential relationship with a, with a neighbor. No. They have not rejected you. They have not rejected you. There's something deeper that's going on in that heart. And look, folks, the fact of the matter is you're going to make somebody mad. If you are a person sharing the gospel, if you are a person speaking the gospel, if you're a person bearing witness to Jesus Christ, you're going to, have to go places where people are going to be indifferent to you. You're going to go places where, thank God, there's an open door, and they're going to respond to you. And you're going to go places where people are going to say, who do you think you are? And you can see it in our society. There's this growing antagonism against Christianity anyway, all around us. So don't go into this thinking that all your neighbors are going to think you're just wonderful. You have to be willing to have people who will respond to you in a positive way because you've shared your love with them or prayer with them or the gospel with them. But you know what? If you're afraid of people reacting negatively to you, who have you robbed? The ones that would have responded positively. I've got Mormons at my door. I got Jehovah's Witnesses at my door. Agenda. I yesterday, I've had in the last two days, I've had somebody wanting to cut my tree for me, knocking on my door. I've had somebody, oh that was a couple that's a few weeks ago. And then I had somebody, but yesterday I had somebody coming. Oh, knock, 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 nine o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to take care of Zeb. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, notice your driveway, a little cracked. You know, we're out here. We'd like to pave it for you. No, no thanks. I'm busy. Well, I just want you to know, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. I don't go, hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to get mad at that guy for that. He's just trying to do his job. That's fine. Next, I'm, tr I'm getting stuff there for Zip. All of a sudden, knock, knock, knock at the door, and here's three guys in marching band uniforms. <laughs> My first thought was, oh, someone sent Zibby a singing telegram or something like that. <laughs> I was, ready to come in. I was ready to say, oh, come on in and sing, Have, you know, sing, get well soon, or whatever. And they're like, hey, we're with the so-and-so marching band, and we're raising money for new uniforms. Would you help us out? And I said, oh, that's great, guys. No. <laughs> Can't do that today. Sorry. Really, really busy at the moment. So thanks. Okay, but thanks, right? Now, I don't, listen, I don't begrudge them. 
I don't begrudge people who come to my door. I, I don't need to get angry if people come to my door. If they send me junk mail I don't want, I throw it away. If they leave something on my mailbox I don't want, I throw it away. If they show up at my door and say, can we do such and such? And I say, eh, nope, th thanks anyway. God bless you. If, you. but if they're Mormons, I invite them in. And we sit and we talk, we, we talk for a while. But that's, but that's it. I, don't, I think people are a little more open than you might know, but there will be some who aren't like me <laughs> at that door. There will be some people like that, but we're, not, but we're not knocking on doors. We're not knocking and talking. We're walking and praying and just leaving a breadcrumb that says, if you'd like to follow this breadcrumb, there's people who would pray specifically for you. And when they, and if they email, we need prayer, we're not going to send them an invite to church. We're going to pray for them and let them know that we prayed for them. That's all they need to know. But count the cost. Count the cost. Here's two good things. We've got to, I've got to wrap up here. Here's two important things in recognizing this counting the cost thing. I already covered one of them, all right? Someone's going to be mad at you. Someone's going to dislike you. Somebody might tell you you're the worst thing since life, but in the culture we live in right now, they may call you all kinds of hideous things, all right? Okay. Here's the second thing. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9 is this, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind, self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of the good news of what Christ has done for you. Don't be ashamed of God's claim to this world and everything that's in it. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. And he says, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul's always in prison. <laughs> Nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Do not be ashamed of the testimony. Your reputation is not the most important thing in the world. God's message of grace is the most important thing in the world. So do not be ashamed. You've been given a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. So don't be ashamed. Know that regardless of how people respond to you, if they respond negatively, you have the Holy Spirit in you to maintain peace, to maintain a gracious response, to maintain a heart that is open so that when you walk away from a tough conversation, they will not be able to say what a jerk you were. They'll only be able to say, well, they listened and they didn't get upset or mad that we didn't like what they were doing. Good. Keep the door open.
keep the door open. 